When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And since we last talked to you, the Celtics have gone two and one. And I would say not really two impressive victories over the Timberwolves and the Portland Trailblazers. And then on the second night of a back to back without Marcus Smart, without Al Horford, without Robert Williams, in a game the Celtics definitely should have won. They lose by one to the Utah Jazz. Jay, you have been, you know, doing your job, being a journalist, being a reporter, following this team around a crazy, crazy travel schedule, really. What has been your impression of this team over these last three games? Before we get to that, let's start with the good stuff. Robert Williams is back. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Let's talk about that, baby. Robert Williams is back. Um <laughs> Well, I think that has a lot to do with their uh, recent struggles. I do think they those two issues are connected. Yes. Yes and no. Um, obviously, he wipes away mistakes. Obviously, he lifts their energy at both ends of the court. Obviously, he changes their offense with his ability to pass, his ability to catch lobs, all of that. Obviously, he's as impact as it gets on the defensive end of the court. But. Obviously, he rebounds the basketball. The rebounding numbers are a lot better when he's in the game. Yeah, but it has still been like this this stretch since the All-Star break, the 13 games since the All-Star break, has been the worst Boston's best players have played all season. And Yeah, Jason Tatum's in a, a certifiable funk. Yeah, he, he's been bad. He's just been bad. And... It's not just the scoring. It's not the scoreless second half in Utah. It's like just everything. Since the All-Star break, they've been outscored with him on the court. That's wild. I did And they're not 12 know that. points per 100 possessions better without him. That's insane. Like just nuts. And normally he's a plus-minus king. He's he's an all-around player. Like he does everything for them. Um but he hasn't been locked in lately and it's been clear to see his shooting's been bad but like whatever his shooting will come back around he'll have games where he's awesome shooting wise he has a slump like this every season but it's just like they need him to be awesome and he hasn't been and Marcus Smart has been struggling too he hasn't been himself he didn't play against Utah Jay King Um, have we lost you it feels like Jalen Brown has been like their only starter. GD Sacramento Wi Fi. Okay, now you're back. You're coming in and out, J King. My bad. I'm out here in, in Sacramento, staring out at the, the beautiful city of Sacramento in my hotel room. Uh, well, um, yeah, I, I already blamed Sacramento for your crappy Wi Fi, but so I think we you cut out there. But yeah, it you mentioned the shooting's going to be bad, but it feels like. The just intensity, the the focus. I, it feels like their defense has just been bad, and I was willing to be like, oh, that's just Damian Lillard uh, torching them in the fourth quarter. But then, like, Taylor Horton Tucker dominated this team down the stretch of that Utah game, and it feels like they're, like, if especially with Robert Williams not in the game, they kind of need their next biggest guy on the court, Jason Tatum, to be this kind of defensive physical force, and that's just not been there uh, since the All-Star break. Yeah, and, and we can talk about why. I mean, 
I don't really know the exact reason. I, I assume some of it is just it's a long season. You can't be locked in all the time. Even the best players have their lulls. Just look at Nikola Jokic right now and the Nuggets, the entire Nuggets team. Um, it could also be like the minutes are catching up to him. He's tired. He's played more minutes per game than anyone except of Pascal Siakam this season. Um, that could be part of it, but it could it, just be that he doesn't care because uh, the these games don't feel like they matter as much. It just wants to get to the playoffs. That could absolutely be part of it too, and like it, it, it coincided sort of with the time that the Bucks started kicking everyone's ass and just destroying everyone and taking over the number one seed. So maybe the Celtics kind of looked at that and decided, you know what, <laughs> like. We're, we may not get the number one seed anyway. It doesn't matter to us whether we're two or three. We think we could beat the 76ers at home or on the road. So let's just kind of chill a little bit. We don't need well, to stay super motivated Well, if that was the plan, the then they should, Tatum should not be playing in both games of a back-to-back. Yeah, if I don't think like- the coaching staff is saying, like, go out there and do nothing. <laughs> go out there and fucking hang out. Um, but the players have played like that. The, if you look at the the defensive numbers with – Boston's four healthy starters on the court this season. They're absolutely disgusting. Like, just despicable since the All-Star break. It's so bad. Um, and and normally, those are guys who really defend. It's Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford. Like, those are fucking awesome defenders. But as a group, they haven't been defending well at all. Uh, and feels like – I don't know if you heard this while I was – out in disconnected Wi-Fi, but it feels like Jalen's the only one like who's really brought it on a consistent basis lately. Yeah, he's the most reliable player uh, over this stretch, and it definitely see like it was good to see in Utah. I think Grant Williams had a, a bounce back game. He knocked down seven threes. He also had a horrendous attempt uh, in the final seconds, which. I don't know what the play drawn up there was, it was but a certainly dribble wasn't... handoff to Jason Tatum. Well, Grant made a read. Grant uh, felt like that wasn't the right thing to do in that situation, and instead, challenging Walker Kessler at the rim felt like the right decision. Now, I'm, I can't get like obviously that's not what uh, what was drawn up and what was intended. Like, and it was very good to see him have a bounce back game, uh, but. Other than you're like 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 we said, Jalen has been pretty much the most consistent. I thought Malcolm Brogdon had a pretty good game in his return to action against Utah. A lot was made about Derek White not playing at all in the fourth quarter, and I understand all of the numbers with Derek White. I understand that he's very productive. He's he's been great in the clutch. I didn't like. I thought Malcolm Brogdon was playing well, and I also thought they were getting killed on the offensive glass, and so it kind of made sense to me that they were going to have Luke Cornett in there. I think maybe you play Derek White some, but I'm not like, I don't know, how should Celtics fans feel about Joe Mazzula kind of like, he has a lot of talented players, and like, does he is he obligated to play Derek White for this entire time when he feels like his team's getting killed on the glass? Like, I don't know. If- My counter to that, no matter how well Derek White plays, he's not guaranteed minutes down the stretch. So if, if your answer is Malcolm Brogdon was playing well, he should be out there, then that should be a regular thing. And Derek White, who often plays better than most players on the Celtics, should be out there closing most games, uh, especially without Marcus Smart. And I understand they wanted Malcolm Brogdon uh, probably for his scoring, for his sturdiness, his ability to switch on to bigger guys. Utah had Taylor Norton Tucker, who's a really physical guy, playing some point guard. Um, so I I understand, like in this one specific situation, whatever, Derek White didn't play down the stretch, fine. But it's just the pattern um, of this guy who has clearly been one of the Celtics' best players who regularly sits during crunch time. And they had three starters out. Three. And obviously he's not going to play center, so it's it's more like like two, I guess, um, from from White's perspective, from from the, the perspective of this conversation. But like at some point, you just have to put your best players on the court, and Derek White is one of the Celtics' best players. 
And if you look at all the numbers from this season, any sort of number suggests that Derek White, next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, has been miles and miles better than Malcolm Brogdon next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And that could be a fit thing. That could be he's just better than Malcolm Brogdon at most things except scoring and scoring off the balance and getting into the the paint. Um, But, like, all the numbers suggest he's been better with those guys. So maybe play him when it matters most. It's a bold take, Jay. Um, I guess the um, I have, like, less issue with the specific thing. Like, I understand Missoula's playing the matchups, and maybe that's, like, the critique is, like, he goes to the matchups too heavily. Like, that game against the Knicks in, when they went in overtime, it's like they wanted more size, so they went with Grant over White. This game, they wanted more size. I think the larger issue is that there's no – go to there's no seemingly go to plan down the stretch and there's no like lineup that you can rely on that's like okay when in doubt we're just going to put these five guys in the game and I guess what you're saying me is that there is a lineup and it involves Derek White and Joe Missoula just doesn't play it but it's like 10 games remaining and you're in a random like dog fight in Utah and it's just like oh like you you don't know what's going to happen out there and you're just trying, Missoula's trying Brogdon over White and maybe riding, I guess, a hot hand there. I didn't. I haven't looked up Brogdon's statistics in the fourth quarter, but like, it doesn't seem like. But you know who clear... also had a hot hand? Derek White, ten points, five yeah. rebounds, four assists, four for seven from the field, a steal and a block. I get like I, <laughs> I, I, I understand Derek White is very good. I'm not trying to challenge the uh, the contention there. Brogdon had seven points in the fourth quarter. Was three of four. Uh, I was. Uh, I mean, the problem was there. They just couldn't get a, an offensive rebound or a, or stop Taylor Horton Tucker. I don't know if uh, White being in the game, but I think it's just larger a symptom of like they don't have a plan. They don't have a go to lineup. They haven't figured out like this is what we do to close games. And in these last ten games, they're going to have to get Robert Williams back. And they're going to have to kind of figure out and get familiar with whatever they're doing down the stretch. And right now, it just kind of feels like they're, it changes every night and they have no idea what the plan is. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> not, not ideal, buddy. Not ideal. That's not perfect around this time of year. Um, and look, like I said, everything will look better once Jason Tatum like comes back to life. Once he's locked in, once he's focused, once he's... Not maybe maybe Robert Williams is the one who sparks joy in Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum's always been Robert Williams like biggest supporter and always talks about how much he enjoys playing with Robert Williams and maybe Robert Williams absence from the lineup has just made Jason Tatum have less fun out there. Maybe Uh, (laughs) you don't don't seem to be buying into that one back to our previous conversation. Well, Jason Tatum was at an MVP level when Robert Williams was out for the first 29 games of the season. That's a fantastic counterpoint. Uh, well done, sir. But anyway, I just looked up the numbers of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with Derek White. They kick ass, 11.3 net rating. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with Malcolm Brogdon, they do not kick ass, 0.5 net rating. So the discrepancy okay, there uh, is huge. Last time... Joe Missoula did enormous. not play Derek White in the fourth quarter. Clear, the next day, he was like, yep, all season. hand up. I remember us having That's this conversation on me. My bad. in the regular season. So is it uh, one problem that he just made the same Brogdon mistake again? And have you gotten the chance to ask to him why Tatum he didn't play Derek White this time around? And it's just, it's obvious. So like, and I, I normally give, like, coaches deserve the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time. And Joe Missoula... Certainly, there's a, a million factors going through his head. Um, the, the rebound thing was definitely real. Like, they wanted more size on the court because they were getting bashed on the glass. The Jazz have a huge front court. You just have to put Derek White out there at some point. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just fucking do it. Just fucking do it. See what happens. Just see what happens. See if he helps things because he always seems to help things. Um that's just how it has always gone, and the Celtic or the Jazz were were doubling Jason Tatum, like really forcing the ball out of his hands, doing whatever they could to get the ball out of his hands. He he did not score in the second half. 
You know who's an amazing decision maker? When he gets the ball after Jason Tatum is doubled, Derek is fucking <laughs> white. <laughs> and so, so when the Celtics are fully healthy, um, like they'll have decisions to make. And I don't think Derek White will always be in the closing lineup. I don't think he always should be in the closing lineup necessarily. But like they were down three starters, <laughs> and he has been probably their third best player all season. Some people think the stats think the the you know catch all metrics. Most of them think he's he's been the second best player on the Celtics this season, um, and still he wasn't out there. And wouldn't you know they were out executed, and one of the key possessions was like. It was just a miscommunication that allowed a wide open three. Um, I don't know. At some point, it's just like Derek White should play. It's a bold take from Jay King that your statistically your second best player should play in the game. Um, I have a question for you, Jay. You mentioned that Robert Williams is back. Al Horford's not on the injury report. Marcus Smart's not in the injury report. Only person missing is Peyton Pritchard. He's probably wasn't going to play anyways. A fully healthy roster. Is this a must-win game coming up against the Sacramento Kings? No. no. <laughs> is it a can't-lose game against the Sacramento Kings? It is neither a must-win nor a can't-lose. Is it a vibes Important for a vibes turnaround to go four and two on the road trip. The road trip Malcolm Brogdon said they should go six and zero on. How important is just for like this team to get a little bit better and not drop a full game back of the 76ers for the third place? They're everyone's healthy. They have no excuses. I think it's a I I think it's a can't lose, and it might be a must win. Oh wow, you are really feeling it. It, they're they're the second best team in the West. They've been playing shitty. Of course, once they lose, I will find a reason to diminish it and ignore everything I've said right now. But just as a Celtics fan, I would like to see them play just some high-quality basketball against a very talented team and play good defense against one of the better offensive teams in the league. Like The thing that I think concerns me the most, and we've talked about Jason Tatum not being engaged, and obviously the return of Robert Williams is going to help that, but their defense just hasn't been very good. And I would like to see them play defense and get stops and just be better on that end of the court. And I think it's like they have to, by the time the playoff starts, you would like to see them be in some sort of rhythm where they're like making the right decisions on defense. You mentioned like the, the fuck up they had at the end of the Jazz games. I don't want any more of that. Robert Williams is back. Figure it out. Beat the Sacramento Kings. There will be no beams lit in Sacramento on Tuesday night, if I'm in charge. If you were in charge. All right. Um, no, it, I, I don't necessarily buy the, <laughs> the urgency on the one particular game, but over the last couple of weeks of the season, there are only less than three weeks left now. The Celtics need to figure themselves out. They need to get back to defending at a high level. They need to get Tatum to start making a three every once in a while. They need to have Joe Mazzulla figure out how he wants to play at the end of games. Uh, they need to start executing at the end of games. They need to reincorporate Robert Williams. The starters have only played, I believe it's 81 minutes together this season. Not a lot at all. And with Robert Williams out, they've gone back to a lot of the time playing smaller lineups. So playing the bigger lineup again is going to be an adjustment. And from, from all those standpoints, like they're just not in a place you would love them to be at this stage of the season. That's why it's a must win. They only got 10 games left to get back on the right track. They got three games against good opponents. It would be nice to see them play well against those three opponents like in a game where they should like get up for the game because it's a challenge and they don't like take things not very seriously are there multiple birds in the background do you have like a bird bath no that was uh i was taking a sip of water actually and uh 
it sounded came, like birds. It just came out at a. <laughs> it started whistling. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> I thought you just got visited by like six bluebirds. That was a beautiful moment. But they have three games left against like high quality opponents. There's this game against the Kings, and then they have a game against the Bucks and a game against the Sixers. The two teams ahead of them in the standings. The rest of the games are against generally not great teams, and I guess the Toronto Raptors twice. I don't know why I decided to single them out, but I did. And it feels like their lackadaisical effort, specifically Jason Tatum as the leader of this team, you would you just like to feel better about them heading into the playoffs. You just want to see them. I guess it's like doesn't matter if they win or lose, but it's just like you want to see the the effort be there, the like the playing for 45 minutes how you play the game. Exactly. Process over results. Like you want to see good process. It's a, it's a not a must win, but it's a must good process game for uh, if we're really taking it's a, a must Kaizen stop approach. fucking around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just stop fucking around. That's it. No, no bullshit. No tomfoolery. Absolutely zero ballyhoo. Just play forty eight minutes of basketball and forty eight minutes of defense. Just, just lock in, lock in. Uh, are you worried about Joe Mazzulla at this stage of the season? I no, I don't like. Kind of, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> From no to kind of. All right. I like generally believe in Joe Mazzulla. I it is also his first playoffs coming up, and I have no idea what his like game planning is going to be like, and like what his adjustments are going to be. And I feel like it's going to be very interesting to like whatever the Celtics first round matchup is be to get some like playoff experience under him. But like a couple weeks ago, we got a lot of shit for bringing it up again, not playing Derek White. And he was like, hand up. That's on me. And then he just did it again. And so it feels like sometimes he can get just like very locked into his thinking and clearly against the Utah Jazz is like, we got to be big and Malcolm's playing. And so. I guess I want to see a more willingness to adjust from Missoula. Um, but I don't know. They're, they're By the still way, like, I, what, I'm they're, mad at myself for something I said earlier. Well, let's hear it. I said, <laughs> I said part of the reason Malcolm Brogdon was out there was because the Jazz had Taylor Horton Tucker, a big physical point guard out there. If you are making lineup decisions to stop <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker, you are a fucking moron. And I don't think that was at all part of Joe Missoula's decision making. So I'm mad right. at myself for bringing that up. Taylor Horton Tucker should never factor into your decision making. I mean, he had a pretty big game against them. Um, he was fine, I re- but still. I really think the issue is like Walker Kessler just being a giant. And also Derek White has been like all defensive level. Play that fucking man. Okay, so should I be worried about Joe Missoula? Like the fact that he just did this again on Utah. Maybe he was trying to rest Derek White. Who knows? But like, <laughs> are you also that concerned that he seems to run the same play <laughs> in the same situation over and over? The the late game Jason Tatum starting the backcourt play. Yeah, that one. I mean, to be fair to him, it's worked twice, uh, <laughs> and this time they this time they didn't even get to run the play. So. I feel like why not? Why go away from it until you prove? Like the problem with that was not Joe Mazzulla calling the play; it was Grant was Grant Williams going rogue. So, yeah, I'm a little concerned about the adjustments here. I I would say I'm fair to say like, you know what? You had one game where it's entire fourth quarter and overtime, and you don't play Derek White, and then you admit that it was a mistake, and then you make the same mistake, and that's the problem. And so I is is he too stubborn? I don't know. Like I don't know the like it's very hard for me to nitpick the specific decisions in the game because I wasn't in Utah. You were in Utah. You were like probably were thinking, man, they should probably play Derek White here. But still, I'm sure he had reasons for it. But it does feel like Missoula is stubborn and uh I don't know, just the way his his he has a general way about him that is a, a man who's very confident in his own thinking and his own decisions. And I think that can you have to be more willing to adjust, especially in the playoffs where there's a lot more adjustments to be made. And he feels like, I don't know. Well, well you want to know what's really interesting? Yes. Last year, the Celtics sucked in crunch time, right? Awful. The biggest thing that we complained about. And then they got Derek White. 
and then more things made sense. <laughs> they went away from Dennis Schroeder, who was a scorer first, and went to Derek White. Don't you dare compare Malcolm Brogdon to Dennis Schroeder. I, I'm not comparing him to Dennis Schroeder. It was implied. But, it was an implied implication. But my my the the more important part of my piece, I was not making that comparison because Brogdon is way way better at basketball. But it's clear that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need players around them who make quick decisions, who move without the ball, who bring an energy to the offense that make it not stagnant. And Derek White is that guy. Derek White is the one who flies around and sets screens and cuts and does all the little stuff that usually goes unnoticed. Malcolm Brogdon is a great scorer and great off the bounce. And sometimes you need that too. Um, but I just think next to Tatum and Brown, it's got to be white. Like, that's just it. And if you go small, it has to be smart and white. It has to be. So you're saying play Derek White over Marcus Smart at this point? No, I'm just saying if you go small, it has to be smart and white. Uh, and if it's just Brogdon and white, it should be white. But Okay, but let's talk about the larger Missoula issue, though. It's like, what have you seen... Do you have concerns about him as they head into the playoffs? Yeah, I, I, so, outside of this one Derek White decision, just like the general process uh, so, so of him coaching games. The biggest thing I think, the biggest is reason this Derek for White thing. The latest thirteen games, <laughs> the last thirteen games since the All Star break, and how mediocre they've been during them, has been that the best players don't seem to be totally locked in. And maybe that is a Joe Mazzulla thing because Ime Udoka used to just yell at those motherfuckers and <laughs> scream at them and just berate them until they became the best defense in the world. Um, and so maybe they need that. Maybe they need someone with a harsher voice. Someone I got who, someone. I got someone who who could probably yell at the players right now. Um, I don't know if you see who is waiting, uh, but it's friend of the program. You can catch him uh, on the Trill Withers show. It's Coley Mick, the Mick man. I think, unless there's another Coley M. Coley. No, no, that can't exist. Uh, <laughs> what up, Coley? I wouldn't care for that one bit. I, uh, I mean, I, I had to chime in when when Jay started comparing. Malcolm Brogdon to Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> there was no you comparison there. there was you no heard comparison. that direct comparison. Direct comparison. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought up Eme because I remember last year when he was yelling at everyone and calling everyone assholes. Everyone hated that, like the fan base. No one thought that was a good idea. Um, and then uh, they did play uh, ass-busting defense for about three straight months, and then they were exhausted by the third round of the playoffs. So I am thrilled that they're not super locked in right now. What did the Warriors go <laughs> last year, the last two months of the season? I think they were 12-14 over the last 26, 26 games. Yeah, just wildly mediocre. And I think we're at the point now. The Celtics are still viewed as a young team. Tatum's been in, what, three Eastern Conference Finals? Four? Like, uh, at least three, yeah, at least three. So it's like I think we're giving them not enough credit that, like, hey, they've tried the let's uh, waste all of our energy to wait to end the regular season thing. They didn't. They were. They didn't have to do that this time. They didn't have to secure a playoff spot. They're not like that's the Lakers right now. They should be playing like the Celtics last year, not the Celtics. I'm I'm not like thrilled they lost a game, but I am like thrilled how they've handled this stretch of the season. Okay. Okay. So. So how do you how do you if 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 you're so happy they're like taking plays off and chilling on the court? Oh, and they're not taking totally whole games high. off. They're taking yeah. They took the whole Rockets game off. Jalen got to play one on five. Jalen did play one on five that game. He was and he has consistently been the only one to care uh, since the All Star break. Like Jalen, Jalen is not thrilled with how everyone else is playing right now. He basically talked shit about Jason after that game. Is like, leadership needs to be locked in. Me and the rest of the leadership council, you know what else is on it, need to figure some things out. And then he puts up like 30 points in each of the next games. So, yeah, I don't think Jalen's too thrilled. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so you're happy they're taking plays off. Are you super unhappy that they're playing Jason Tatum 37.4 minutes and he played 40 on the second leg of a back-to-back -back in the altitude in Salt Lake City? 
Um, I mean, it's. It, I don't know what Tatum. Like you were saying, he gets needs to be locked back in. I don't know that he could be more locked in. It's like his wrist clearly isn't great. And I don't know that him shooting the highest volume on the farthest shot in the game for the most of the whole season is the best for his wrist. That's where it's like, yeah, I, they've put him in the post more. They've they've switched his lineup usage. Like he's that first out of the game, first back in with the bench unit. That wasn't happening the first half of the season. And I would imagine his minutes have gone down since the All-Star break, even if it is 38. That was the biggest complaint I saw from people going into the All-Star game, that he was getting gassed. So even if his minutes still are up near 40, they've got to be down from the first half. I don't know. Jay King's a I'm checking. He's a big minutes reporter. He was the big sound the alarm about the minutes guy. Um, Coley, I thought you were going to come in here, uh, guns a blazing, and he's actually playing more minutes since the All Star break. That's surprising. That's genuinely surprising. (laughs) Thirty-eight point one since the All Star break versus thirty-seven point something beforehand. Basically the same. Basically the same. What they've played three overtime games over the stretch. They have played, including a double overtime game, right? Right, yeah. So I, that kind of uh, makes some sense with the minutes going up. Um, yeah. Jay, what's his minutes per 36 minutes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. But it's like, yeah, we talk about the second night of a back-to-back. That's To me, that game was one correct Grant Williams and one away from being a game they stole. That was the second night of a back-to-back with three starters out. I mean, Blake. But but the Jazz, the Jazz were finishing with, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kelly Olynyk, Oshay Agbaje. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Taylor Horton Tucker's game. Uh, I mean, like Luke, Luke Cornett gets boxed out Walker Kessler once, and they win that game by what seven? Like that's where it's like, yeah, I would have preferred they won the game against the Jazz. The Jazz were coming off a five day rest versus the Celtics on the second day of a back to back. I'm shocked they had more energy down the stretch. Like it's it's. I don't know. I've I've been too angry about this team in years past when it was like Isaiah was our best player and people thought we could beat LeBron. Like that was like, all right, what are we talking about <laughs> now? When we have like, like I no matter what happened in the second half, I still think there's only two teams that can win the championship, and the Celtics are one of them. I'm going all positive until they're eliminated, and I don't. I still don't think they're going to be eliminated. The Giannis still exists. And I respect Giannis. There's no one in the West I respect. And if Bill Simmons says one more fucking thing about the Philadelphia 76ers, that's going to make me angry because no one should take them seriously. <laughs> no one in the world should take the 76ers seriously. Anyone who's a, a worried about the 76 who's never gotten out of the second round, this is the team I'm supposed to be afraid of? Okay. So one, wh- uh, <laughs> uh, how many games? Are, eight in a row, nine and one in their last ten. Great. So, so you just have no concerns right now. You're not worried about Joe Mazzula entering his first playoff. You're not worried that Robert Williams has missed a bunch of time. You're not worried that Jason Tatum, the defensive numbers with Jason Tatum on the court have just been god-awful lately after he's played a ton of minutes this season. My, my concern from the onset of the season is what it is right now. Get me to the playoffs with our top seven healthy. And that's what we project to be at this point. Marcus got his yearly injury out of the way. Uh, Rob, Rob got hurt at like the best time in a weird way. I'm, I don't want him getting hurt ever, but if he was going to do it, I'm glad it happened when it did. If we get to the postseason healthy, I'm not too like this. Isn't the second year of Kyrie? Oh, they're going to hit the switch in the playoffs. Like, there's no reason unless there's something you want to break now for me to believe there's like this lurking bad blood in the locker room like there was back then. I think they're bored. I think they want to play in playoffs. Like they. They've, they've, they've talked all year about getting back to the championship and avenging that. And it's like, yeah, the, it's a long season. They've lost weird overtime games. They lose games because that's, that's the one thing that bothers me. They still go to Tatum in crunch time instead of Jalen. That's the only thing that bothers me about this team right now. Yeah, so they have gone to Jalen a number of times. Uh, I mean, he, like hit the you- three, he hit the three last night. I think it was with 118 left. Didn't get a touch the rest of the game. Tatum puts up two terrible shots. Grant gets the and, the and one that should have been. They wipe that off the board. And then Grant does that weird thing he did to end the game. And it's like Jalen wasn't involved in any of those plays. Yeah. They, well, you, they, you know, the, they, they, they had to run the one play that they run at the end of the games, you see. Correct. He's, he's, he's going to break out some crazy shit in the playoffs. And then everyone's going to be like, oh. 
No, it's just going to be different versions of that. It's going to start Jason Tatum farther and farther back. back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, People would think differently about this road trip if they hadn't been so mediocre before it. I mean, if they they beat the Kings, which would be a legitimately really good win, and they have tended to lock in for teams they – they think are good uh if they don't respect the other team they and this was a problem under email last year too they lost to plenty of teams that they just didn't respect it was just a respect thing they're like oh you guys stink and then they they lost to the bulls twice they lost to the bulls uh um, and the magic three times la- i'm talking last year oh well this year they lost to the bulls twice as well well uh, listen i mean the magic are <laughs> if as long as we don't see the magic in the playoffs that's another thing reason why i'm not too worried <laughs> if we saw the magic in the first round i'd be terrified um, but yeah, when, like, if they beat the Kings, they go four and two and it's like, all right, they lose to the jazz at the buzzer and they lost to the Rockets. Like, I, I'm not too worried. We're not going to see the Rockets in the playoffs either. So if we beat all the actual good teams on this road trip, yeah, I'll take that. It is true. Like the one they played the Cavs, uh, since the all-star break, I'm sure like that's the one game against a quality opponent and they, and the 76ers and they won both of those games and kicked the shit out of the Cavs. And like, despite not playing that well, beat the 76ers. So there is, I'm a hesitant. They also of like lost the flip- to the Cavs, to, to be clear. And, and they lost to the Knicks. They're 1-0-3 oh, against oh, the, the Cavs Knicks. this year. They are. Oh, are we using hockey, hockey terminology? They would have, hockey. yes, because <laughs> hockey is a coward sport and they count losses differently if you happen to lose in overtime. <laughs> Uh, so we get we we got points in every single game against the Cavs this year. They haven't beat us once in regulation. What is that? The Celtics would have a lot more points in hockey terms because <laughs> so they almost more. always lose. So many more because two like two weeks ago, EEI was like, "Oh, the Bruins are great and the Celtics suck." That's that's been their whole year's worth of content. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, the Bruins get to they get extra points when they lose uh, better. I guess <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand that rule. Uh, <laughs> soccer has it too. It's a stupid rule. Oh no, soccer! You can't lose. You just lose on tie. You get a point for a, one point for a tie. Hockey just needs needs the, the hockey would be better if there was just ties and there wasn't like a need for a shootout. Jam, they uh, used to have that. They gave you four different records. You'd be like one, 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 and one because ties were a thing. <laughs> They've gone six games without an overtime. I think they're probably due. I think I think tomorrow's game goes to overtime and Tatum how will many play overtime, like forty five minutes. How many overtime losses do they have this year? Seven. They're terrible in overtime. Awful, because it's because Joe Mazzulla can't make a, a, an adjustment. He's never th- thought of doing a sub in overtime. The guys who finish the game have to play all five minutes of the overtime because uh, Sleepy Joe doesn't know how to do anything over there. <laughs> Sleepy Joe. <laughs> Sleepy Jay, Joe. that's a that's a, a political joke. Uh, I don't know. You're not really in tune with those type of things. So I know Coley understood the reference. I did understand it. I do hate how negative people have been about Missoula. Like, we just did this last year. Last year, you go back to March of last year, people fucking hated the head coach. They said everything he was doing was wrong and he needed to be fired. And I just can't believe the fan base is doing the same thing again. You, you can't? You're, you're surprised by the irrational uh, feelings of people on the internet? But it's 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 even just more than just like the bubble on Twitter. It's like it's just, it's the whole fan base, and it's it's it, it's also it's also funny that it's the exact opposite reasons. Like like he's <laughs> not angry enough. Last he needs to year yell at everyone him. was mad. Ime Ime was just torturing guys after every loss. They're like, oh man, players are going to really not respect him. He he goes after them, this and that, and now Missoula is not like that. Uh, and never calls out anyone in the press, and, and people are like, "He's got to be harder on him." <laughs> but, however, that said, there is evidence. Like there is evidence that Ime reached them, and Ime got them to another level um, with his abrasive comments and kind of direct uh, way of of addressing issues, and. And so maybe they do need some of that. And I think Celtics. What's the Celtics' record this year when they're starting five plays? It's like twenty-five and two. No, they have. They haven't. I don't even think they've had. Do you count Rob Williams in there? Or are you just saying? Yeah, no, it's right. Maybe it's not just this year. Maybe it goes back to the to the second half of last year. But it's like when the top five is played. Maybe it was last calendar year, uh, January to January. They're 
damn near un, unbeatable. And a lot of that's Missoula, too. I know Rob missed a decent amount of time this year, but it's hard for me to say Joe hasn't reached them when all the evidence points to when the team is healthy, they're they're the as good, if not the best team in the league. Yeah, and and obviously Robert Williams, like his presence is huge. And and he changes Big guy. A, a lot for them. Like when he's healthy and in the lineup, they are huge. They get more athletic. Like they're both bigger, more athletic, they're longer. He covers up mistakes. And then when he when he's out, it's like when Al Horford is available, they have him. But their guards, like the guards that play next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, none of them are like super athletes. None of them are like six seven, six eight. So they're like a little on the shorter edge, a little less athletic. And then he just comes in and it's just like he's jumping around and as long as anyone and just he just totally transforms them. Um, and the rebound stuff too. Like when he's on the court, they just kick everyone's ass at both ends of the court on rebounding. And they don't do that seems, all the time. Seems important. Him. It really comes down to it's like, okay, is Rob Williams going to be healthy for the playoffs? That That's what it was last year too. Like that's where it's like, <laughs> hey, we can talk about Missoula. We can talk about all of this. If the team's healthy, I don't know that any of it matters. And Are, are the good players going to be able to play? Right. That's it's, It really does feel that simple to me. <laughs> Um, like the the entire conversation about health in the East has been kind of stolen by the Bucks because everyone wants to focus on Middleton, uh, just Middleton. But it's like, yeah, when when the Celtics are healthy, which they weren't at all for the playoffs last year, and they still almost won the ring. That's where it's like, yeah, I'm I'm not all that upset. Guys are taking their rest now. Like we we sprinted to the finish line last year, and it hurt us dearly. We're not doing that this year. I can't believe people are mad about it. Do you want them to just sit Jason Tatum for some of these games? Like screw it, just take the third seed and they, they gave him they gave him a game off. What was it like a week and a half, two weeks ago? And I thought they were kind of going to keep him away for longer, and then they didn't. I get the sense they are going to sit more guys down the stretch. Uh that's at least what I was told. So we'll see if that actually happens because I was told that earlier and it hasn't really happened. Um, I have no problem with them being the three seed. Like if they're not going to be the one seed, like uh, clearly the one seed is the uh, desired path just because you get to play whatever bullshit team is in the eighth seed. But there's no difference between the two and the three to me. And in fact, I would rather play the Brooklyn Nets than the Miami Heat in the first round. And I have no issues or qualms with them having to play a game six at home against the 76ers because I just don't think that series is going to go to seven because I don't respect the 76ers. No, that's the only game I think left on the schedule that I would I would deem a must win is that last game against Philly because it. it I was thinking about it while I was listening to you two and it was just like, uh, when when the Giants played the Patriots in 2007 in, in Week 17, that's when they were like, "Oh, maybe we can play with these guys." And I don't even I want Embiid to keep thinking how he's been thinking for the past four years. Like I can't beat that team no matter what I do. That's what he says that publicly. He, there's a million quote cards of him saying it. Um, I don't want him for one second to be like, "Oh yeah, we can actually play with these guys." That's the only game I care about the rest of the regular season. You want him showing up and just thinking of Marcus Morris, like holding up the three <laughs> fingers for those three nothing at that time. You want him just having nightmares of Marcus Morris every night. Yeah, I want him thinking of like the confetti falling for a tie game. I want him thinking <laughs> of uh, like the, the the Brad Stevens inbounds play to Al Horford to get him a wide open layup. Like I want him thinking about all. I want him thinking make, about make, making a miraculous full court shot, but knowing it was after the buzzer and just sulking into the <laughs> locker room. He's yeah, he's he's had he's stepped on rake after rake after rake against the Celtics, and I I I want those demons just constantly. I don't want (laughs) just just Aaron Baines launching corner three balls after (laughs) never shooting before in his life. There's been so many hilarious things that have happened. Ben Simmons scored one point in a full playoff game, and he had to just be like, "We have what am I supposed to do with it?" Like these are the thoughts I need. I don't need him being like, "Oh, we beat him by ten. Maybe we can actually play with them." Wasn't there a game when the Celtics came back from 24 and then like smart stripped Dario Saric down the stretch to preserve a win? I don't know. I feel like that happened. I mean, Jalen got hurt, came back and was dunking immediately the next game. Like 
The Sixers have lost in hilarious fashion every time we've we've been about fifty points last year. Like that was that's, thirteen that's months ago. Points. It was thirteen months ago. Like he still remembers all these. They are better. They are better. Their their roster is better. DeAnthony Melton helps. PJ Tucker helps. Uh James Harden is a different player than he was at the end of last season. Like they're definitely better. They are definitely better. I think I think even in the playoffs, like they're they can't play, play Maxi and Harden together. Like like what is their best what is their closing five? They're relying on old ass PJ Tucker and DeAnthony Melton. Like they're just not good enough to play. I don't know what their five is that makes sense for them. Just need Joel and B to foul out everybody. It's possible, but it's also like they're they're so I kind of want to say easy to guard because that hard predictable. Game, they're predictable, right? Yeah, like it's and I can't imagine the Celtics are going to struggle that much with it. other teams. Yeah, other teams would struggle with it, but I don't think the Celtics and the Bucks consider them on the same level as as them. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I don't. I don't buy the 76ers fully in the playoffs yet either. Um, but I'm open to the idea that they actually are different. And like last year, some of the players that played for them in the playoffs were just bad. And and they don't really have that anymore, which is a big deal. They still have the same guy making the decisions of who's playing, though. This is true. And he's bad. <laughs> And he has his hair painted on his head. Correct. Yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> and he's played by Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually more of a comedic role, so he's played by Larry Fishburne. Did you know that? <laughs> that he chooses he chooses how he's credited based on the role. Staff, I was crying laughing when the photos of that came out because just hilarious casting. Um This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Coley, have you ever had the, the opportunity to meet friend of the program, Joshua B? I don't know. If, no, I don't think so. Well, let's bring him on down. Ball of energy, Joshua B. Thanks for joining us here on Anything is Potable. Hello, hello. Well, now I, I talked you up. Big hype for you, Joshua B, and you're giving me nothing? Oh, now we can. You guys hear me? Yes, sir. Awesome. What what you got for us today, Josh? Oh, dude, I like I was just listening to you a second ago, um, Jay, talking to me about how you're open to the idea that the Philadelphia 76ers might be a different team. Are you also I, open I knew to you'd the like idea? that. Yeah, are you also open to the idea that they might be the same thing 
the same thing that you've seen <laughs> for like multiple years in a row that like maybe James I, I am certainly open to that, yes. Because <laughs> um, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter whether we're the second seed or the third seed. And I break it down to you like this. The team that we've struggled the most against this year, and I've had the privilege of being in a game with you for one of them, is the New York Knicks. And the New York Knicks are currently the five seed. And if they face the Cleveland Cavaliers, well, that's another team that has really had our number in overtime. And then what happens? Assuming that we beat Brooklyn, assuming that we beat Miami, and we should beat Brooklyn, and we should beat Miami because we have winning records against both those teams right now sitting on the season. So then what happens? We go and face the Sixers, and the Milwaukee Bucks have to take on the enemy of our enemy, you know, right? The enemy of our enemy is our friend. So whether it's the New York Knicks or whether it's the Cleveland Cavaliers, one of those two gets eliminated by Milwaukee, or they do us the favor of beating Milwaukee. Well, if they do us the favor of beating Milwaukee, then all we have to do is, I don't know, beat the Sixers the same way we've beaten them three times in a row this year. I don't know, something like that. And then we move forward, right? And now we're in the Eastern Conference Finals. And if we end up meeting the Milwaukee Bucks again in the Eastern Conference Finals, then how is that different from anything we were predicting at the beginning of the season? That we all thought that it was Milwaukee. We all thought it was Milwaukee versus Boston. And that they would face off and the East would be a bloodbath. And now we're at the end of the bloodbath and it's still Milwaukee versus Boston. Only this time we get to beat their butts with Chris Middleton. And now everybody loses that excuse. That's it. That's all. Feel happy. They're great. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Coley's right, man. They're right. He's right. He's this right. A smart He's right. This is a smart guy. Yeah, I, I like this guy. <laughs> Like he's spot, he's spot on, man. He's spot on. They are being lazy. I mean, how many games have you watched now in a row, Jay, where they've had like a 15 point lead at some point in the game, 15, 20 point leads every single game and every single game we manage to blow up because we take our foot off the gas. We let go of the rope. Would we have liked to win against Houston? Sure. Would we have liked to win against Utah? I'm not sure they did want to win against Houston. I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> no. they did not want to win against Houston. That Houston game, I said it in the time at uh, in real time too. When when we won the tip and Jalen walked down for a wide open layup, like they should have called the game right there. I think every <laughs> single person on Celtics checked out immediately. And I do think Josh brings up a good point. They're not getting blown out in these games. They go up huge, and then they, you can pinpoint the moment where they stop trying. I don't know that that's going to happen in the playoffs. Yeah, it's yeah. just not. Yeah, go ahead. No, then, that, that probably will not happen in the playoffs. Well, I have a quest. I have a question for the panel, um, and then I will then I will hop off of stage. But usually, I like to end these with a question: What is the statue of limitations on this Emu Doka thing? Like, how long do we have to like sit here with no information about knowing what he did, and yet at the same time want our Celtics to get the ass kicking that they need in order to finish off these games? Like, can we just like all agree it was bad, and he can come back and take over like the motivational portion? From oh, yeah. or, you want you want face FaceTime locker room FaceTimes from Eme before every game? I Maybe don't want him sitting too. on a bench. I don't care. What difference does it make? He wants to sit in the second row with all the other assistant coaches. Who cares? What difference does a, it make? A hologram a hologram of Eme at halftime. He can join in. He can he can come and hang out on the bench. I'm I'm fine with him like sitting there. And I get it, there's like some scandal, but no one's gonna say anything about it. I've been waiting for to find out the details on the Eme Udoka scandal now for what? Five months, six months, nothing. He had an inappropriate relationship with who? Nobody knows. Was the person married? Nobody knows. All we know is that the Celtics let him go out of his contract. Well, is the statute of limitations up? We are at the playoffs. This is where it counts. Please? No? <laughs> I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole, Joshua B. <laughs> I think it would be very funny if Ime started sending in, like, because you can go to, like, build a bear, right? And you can put a voice message inside the bear. So if you just start, if, if you just, if you start seeing a lot of bears in the, the Celtics locker room and they're just expletive laden rants from Ime Adoka pointed at each individual player, it would be very funny. What were they calling Harry Potter? Like that, the, the howlers? Yeah. <laughs> Where they would send the owls with just scathing messages that just, fucking berated people in front of everyone he's just gonna send some howlers i uh, i always forget that you're a big harry potter jay and anytime you come with a harry potter reference it's just mind-boggling genuinely shocking i didn't see that one coming Uh, i'm a huge harry harry pothead (laughs) uh 
not even on the email point though, but the one thing and when why I didn't really care about the Houston loss either. That was the same day they found out Damon Stoudemire was gone. Um, if anything was going to have an impact, I think him, because he has been there as long as Missoula. I think players liked him. I think they respected him. And I do think every time the 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 late in the game, the camera would cut to Missoula, Stoudemire was always right there. He was always standing right next to him in his ear. So if they were to, like... Yeah, they lost Ime, but the rest of the and Will Hardy too. But the rest of the coaching staff was largely the same. Now you lose Stoudemire too. It's like, all right, that's three really good coaches gone. Missoula, I still think, is a really good coach, but all of the other pieces that helped the team are now gone. I think that means more to me than Ime at this point. Yeah, I agree that they've lost a lot of talent from their coaching staff. Like you look at what Hardy is doing in Utah; he's been awesome. You look at obviously they lost Ime. He was great. They lost. They lost Damon Stoudemire, who not only was a very good coach and accomplished guy who turned around Pacific before coming to the Celtics, but also he was the only guy with NBA ex- play, significant NBA playing experience on the staff, which matters, especially with like Missoula as young as he is and going through this for the first time, and he was coaching D two. Th- like five years ago, um, like sometimes you need the guy who's like, bro, you don't need to bash him right now. <laughs> like, like it's okay. We're this is it's a long season. Just they'll get through this. We'll be okay. And so sometimes you need that perspective. And I think Damon Damon was really important in that regard of just like helping Joe understand more about the NBA game. Obviously, he's been through a number of seasons as an assistant, but sometimes as a head coach, you can lose sight of that without somebody in your ear. And so they also lost Missoula as an assistant. Like, I know that sounds weird, but they just straight up didn't even replace that hole. So when he slid to head coach, it was like, all right, that's one less assistant. And now they lost Will Hardy, who was one of like the most, he was always up next. Like he, he was dubbed that. It felt like for a few years. Uh, and then obviously Ime. So, and now Damon. So it's like, yeah, that's four coaches and i know a lot of people are like well you don't need that many coaches i don't disagree but (laughs) you do have a million coaches right i don't disagree with that but when you lose four of them uh in in seven months that feels probably pretty jarring to the rest of the team their staff was so crazy last year that joe mazzola was not even like on the bench right like he just wasn't on the bench and i still think like they have still sharp guys on the staff but they did lose a lot. I think we have the best challenger uh, in the sport. <laughs> Matt Reynolds has done a, a very good job challenging. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not talk about our friend down in Charlotte like he's not the best challenger in the league right now. You didn't even know he was a challenger. You have no idea what his challenge record is. <laughs> I know he's at least one win against the New York Knicks, something better than the Celtics can do. I, I have no rebuttal to that. Exactly, Jay. There is no <laughs> rebuttal to it. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't know. I had no idea. Uh, but uh, all right, that we've gone a lot longer on what uh, what I assumed was going to just be an entirely negative podcast. But I appreciate Coley Mick coming on and setting me straight. You know what? I was I was wrong. I was incorrect. Coley was correct. Joshua B was correct. <laughs> One other important thing that the Celtics are missing is uh, the Riffs man and his positive energy. He still pops that, his head in now and then, but it's been really the first full season we haven't had his his effervescent touch. So I'm 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 dubbing myself as as like the the positive energy shaman the rest of the way through the finals. Like I, you won't see negative thoughts coming from me. Are you the new Riffs man? No, no, no one. No, could no, ever no one. Be, no one can. No one can. Are, ever but be you're wearing his jersey. It's just someone someone needs to be the constant purveyor of positive thoughts within the fan base. And he's taken a step back, and I'm, I would never say I could fill his shoes. Nobody could. He's one of one. But someone still needs to bring forth the positivity. And people comparing Malcolm Brogdon to fucking Dennis Schroeder certainly aren't the man. <laughs> it was no comparison. It was no comparison. It was an implied comparison because you said Derek White's the main difference because he replaced a ball-dominant guy like Dennis Schroeder, parentheses, Malcolm Brogdon. We all heard it, Jay. It was ugly. It was, It was. I mean, point, point 0.5 
net rating. 0.5 net rating with him next to Brown and Tatum. Very Schroeder-esque. <laughs> oh, now, now you're leaning in. I, I, I got to lean in. When, when people tell me to zig, I zag, man. But I, I really did not mean that as a comparison. Nor, nor did I mean way it to, to get disrespect Jay Malcolm Brogdon, who should probably win six man of the year. Well, now you're just now you're you're playing both sides. You're sitting on the fence, Jay King. Does it hurt, <laughs> Mister Feeney over here, Mister Feeney or uh, Al from uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor's neighbor? That guy was constantly yeah. on the fence. Yeah, I wasn't a, a real toolman guy. Ah, fuck! You're so God damn worried. it, Packard. You don't even know what I was talking about, Jay. If Coley wasn't here, you'd think that was just another dumb jam reference. And now I guess it was. You know what? We're ending <laughs> this podcast. Both of you guys can go home. <laughs> Coley, well, I can stay thank you for joining. Oh, yeah. Are, are you going to go to the Mermaid Bar? I, what are you doing I'm, tonight that's better than going to the Mermaid Bar? I was thinking about just going to sleep uh, after I finished my story. So Coward. Probably that. Go downtown. There's a bar with live action mermaids in it. You're going to have a blast. It's called Dive Bar, which is a clever, you know, some would call it a pun uh, because Dive Bar is the type of bar you might want to go to. But then it's a uh, it's got mermaids diving in it. Jay, you've never lived before. How many times a year do you go to Sacramento once and you never go to the dive bar? This is ridiculous. <laughs> My bad. My bad. That's all right. I mean. Well, I mean, Jay, I'll, I'll consider doesn't, it. Doesn't want I'll to take consider it. it just for you. No, you, you. That's a lie. You're lying to my face. There's zero chance you go to the dive bar. You don't have to lie to me, Jay. I know you're not a. You're not going to do it. It's, it's obscene. I'm I'll upset. See how far it you've is upset from my the. Hotel. You've upset the listeners. You upset Coley, who's our guest. He wanted you to go to dive bar, and now we have to end the podcast, Jay. And so, uh, everyone out there listening, very much appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate five stars, do all those things. Uh, you do on podcasts. This is just a random piece of junk that. Uh, um, have you guys heard the new T Pain album? I've seen it exist. I haven't listened to it yet. He Absolutely has. Not. It's all covers. It's all covers, and you will not besmirch the name of Teddy Penderass down T Pain no, on my T-Pain. program. I hate T Pain oh, not for not for his own. Get music. Get off the stage. Not for his own music, but because he he convinced everyone else to just do auto tune for a while. He didn't convince anyone. He was so popular, everyone tried to steal what he was doing and did it much worse than he did. It well, was, it, folks, it was bad. He he ruined he ruined Little Wayne even for a little while. L- Little Wayne was just auto tuned God. And I, I, that's I will besides never forget T Pain for that. Okay, do we you, don't need a story? debate. <laughs> have you heard the story of what Usher did to T Pain? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he, I don't think he so. Saw Maybe T-Pain I was on a. He saw T-Pain was on the same flight as him. He waited till they were up in the sky. T-Pain was dead asleep. He had one of his bodyguards or associates go wake up T-Pain out of a plane sleep to come talk to him. T-Pain's a big Usher fan. <laughs> he thought this was a, a great moment for him. He sat down next to Usher. Usher said, you ruined music for everyone. And ruined put, T-Pain, put T-Pain in a six-year depression. And that's what you just did. No, see... I, I'm with Usher on this one. Usher Usher gave a nope. message that the world needed to hear, that T Pain needed to hear. And Usher's always always been a guy. It's like it's like you're blaming bad plays on Shakespeare for being great at it, and then people tried to write plays at see, it after no, Shakespeare, and they weren't Usher, as good. Usher had real music. Usher would be like, "You got it, you got it bad." When you're on yeah, the you, phone. Okay. Hang up and you call right back. With Will I Am, he has plenty of stinkers too. Usher never won season three of The Voice. I'll tell you that much. Did T Pain? T Pain won The Voice. Yes. I thought With it was Auto the Masked Singer. Well, I don't even know what the uh, the, the Masked Singer. The Masked Singer. My apologies. Oh, that, that uh, shit is. Hold on. Did he have guys, like an you guys are way off topic here? Machine underneath the no. Mask? He's he's very talented. Go to uh, look look up T Pain's Tiny Desk concert for, on NPR. He has the beautiful voice. And what I'm trying to say, the point of this entire sidetrack is T Pain on his cover album, on top of the covers, where he just does eight different cover tracks, has released the best version of the song "Don't Stop Believing." It is instantly better than Journey's version 
It is an instant hit. The harmonies on the chorus are amazing. And if you're not listening to that song, you are a See, loser. And so you're making me even more in furious at T Pain. If he was capable of You're a big don't stop this. believing guy? No, you're a big was, don't stop no, believing no, no. guy? If he was capable of all this, then why did he ruin music forever by using He didn't. He made thing. hot track after hot track after hot track using a, a very cool style cuz he was a DJ and he know what people wanted. And you can't blame him for being uh great. Jay, are you going to blame other uh, Celtics beat reporters when they then they try to steal your style of like you you write the best leads and then someone just comes and tries to write leads similar to you and they're not as good and no you're gonna blame yourself like for me. that no one wants to write like me now you're, now you're gonna be self-deprecating <laughs> you have no consistency Jay <laughs> I'm just saying T-Pain T-Pain fucked up everything for me as a as a I, I don't know. What was I, a teenager? You can't. You, early, you can't you're 20s? just repeating. You're repeating the same argument. He you, nearly it's been thoroughly debunked. <laughs> he 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 left us with he left us with fucking lollipop, man. Lollipop. I'm, but I'm saying T Pain led to lollipop. I mean, everything led to everything, and that's sort of fucking logical thinking. You just thing. You're, you're. This is poppycock, J King. This is bona fide poppycock. I'm furious now. Uh, you guys had to bring up T Pain. I didn't think the Harry Potter nerd was going to hate T Pain. <laughs> That's shocking. <laughs> T Pain had some bangers too. I don't hate T Pain for what he produced himself. I it hate sounds him for, like you do. I hate him for the way he influenced the the music genre. Everything about it. He just. He brought a dreadful sound to to music. Jay, you've brought a dreadful sound to everyone listening right now for the past five minutes. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go to the dive bar tonight. <laughs> yeah, you better fucking go to the dive bar. <laughs> All right, folks, we're officially off the rails. Thank you for listening to this episode of Anything is possible! Oh!